Welcome to Positive Reaction Podcast. My name is Danielle C. Aguilar, better known as Dr. D. My name is Dr. Edwin Serrano, better known as Dr. Pepper, and we are not your average physical therapist, and we will get you ready to react at any given moment. We are here to question healthcare to help you make the best decision to get back to your active lifestyle. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Hello, hello. This you have is... Dr. D here. I'm sorry I cut you off. Dang, she cut me off. <laughs> sorry. She's really not having it today. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was just, he came in and I was like, nah. No, I showed up early. Yeah, so that's she, what she it was. was. Yeah. Threw her off her group. Mm-hmm. She said she was going to work out for 20 minutes. It literally going to put in a 20-minute workout and he shows up early. So now mm-hmm. I'm in a bad mood. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyways, Dr. D here. Dr. Serrano. And today's burning question has to deal with running. Yes. And it's not a real I, question. Well, the topic at hand has to deal with running. And you, who has dove into running pretty extensively, mm-hmm. um, I think you have great content. You know, I've followed it, and, and I think that I've become fairly more knowledgeable. Sure, we're going to go with that yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so one thing that comes to mind, and I want to pose this question to you, is. What are the common mistakes that people tend to do when they're returning to running? Yeah. So biggest mistakes go along with things we've, I think, talked about in the past is doing too much too fast, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the biggest thing is, you know, I'm sure you've worked with marathon runners just as mm-hmm. I have, or even just uh, weekend warriors, 5Kers, like even people that just go on a two-mile run. Like that's me. Like if I go for a run... I don't run more than two miles. <laughs> Unless I'm playing mm-hmm. basketball, then I'll run. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, this is true. Very, very true. <laughs> but the the thing the thing with running is, you know, typically people come from an injury, or not even an injury. They're just like, I'm gonna pick up running because yeah. I used to run back in the day, and it's 20 years ago, mm. or 10, mm. or five, or two, or even last year, or two weeks ago. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I think a year's more. No, probably. yeah, right. Or even six months. Yeah, that's right. Better. So. Um, you know, the biggest mistake is thinking that you are where you were back then, mm, right? Good point. The biggest mistake is saying, hey, I used to run three miles. I'm going to go out and run for three miles. Shouldn't be a problem. Right? Shouldn't be a problem. It is a problem. Because then you're going to end up either right back with us or you're going to get to know us for the very first time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so so when, when you're going back to running, you know, especially after an injury, even after not doing it for such a long time, there has to be proper dosage. There I agree. has to be a proper way to return to running and to to think like, okay, this is how I'm going to get back to running 15 miles a week, 20 miles a week, 10 miles a week, whatever it is that your goal is. But of course, know that it's going to be a nice and gentle churn. Yeah. I, I like that word dosage. I, we've used it in the past. And, and when you talk about dosage, mm-hmm. you know, what I think is we do a little and see how your body responds. Yeah. Do a little bit more, see how your body responds. Exactly. And I think when you mentioned, you know, doing too much too soon, that, you know, with too little recovery, I, I think that's where people miss it. Yeah. Right? I think mentally people are thinking to themselves, because I do it, hey, I can do that three-mile run, let me knock it out, and I'll do it again tomorrow, and I'll yeah. do it again the next day, and that's not good. That's not how it works. No, yeah. not at all. So, so going into return to running, how do you typically someone that hasn't run let's say you've rehabbed them right typical rehab mm-hmm. time we're talking two to three months okay. right mm-hmm. something 
you know, three months on the later spectrum, two months, six weeks on someone that maybe had an ankle sprain, right? Okay. So how do you dose them back into running? There's different methodologies. I want to know what yours is. Sure. So if they've already gone through the rehab process, then they've already introduced plyometrics or jump Mm -hmm. training, right? Mm -hmm. So how I like to do that, and I'll I'll make it brief, is introduce quick impact, Mm -hmm. right? So a snap down as an example. They go, they get on their toes and bring their hands quickly downward to to start absorbing the force. Then it's jumping, which is two feet, hopping, Mm -hmm. which is one foot, Mm -hmm. and then we start in interval training. Yes. So once we get through that interval training is when we start that return to running program. Mm-hmm. So it's it, depending again on the goal, let's say they are uh, an avid runner and they're clocking in 20 miles a week. Yeah. So I'll probably cut that back to what 25% of that and start at, you know, let's do math if you want, but I would typically start them at a two mile range mm-hmm. and surface is what I look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I, that I is always, a big thing. Yeah, and, and so what I like to lead my conversations with is if you can break into a golf course, mm-hmm. go run on the golf course. Yeah. That is way more forgiving. They care for that lawn probably better than who knows what, yeah. but the likelihood of that is slim to none. It's not going to happen. So the next thing is a track. Yes. It's spongy. Again, it's more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just progress to the least favorable surface, which is cement, cement and, and mostly just cement. Road is more road. forgiving. Mm-hmm. And I say that just in comparison. There, it's a lesser of two evils. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, gra- I mean, yeah, but you're not going to run on the gravel all the time. It's typically right. going to be sidewalk. So, but, exactly. Yeah. And so it's one of those things. Like, do you sacrifice? No, not sac. I shouldn't say sacrifice your life by running on the road. But um, the point of the of, of bringing that up is surface training. You, mm-hmm. I have that conversation. I'm heavy on that conversation mm-hmm. because if you try going strictly cement without trying to change up that yeah. surface then we're going to run into some issues. Exactly. Uh, so it, it's going to be in that fashion to where, depending on, we're, we're talking about a 20-mile return. Mm-hmm. I'll start them anywhere between one to two miles the mm-hmm. first three days and then start increasing. Yeah. And I keep them on the same surface favorably and encouragingly so on a track. Mm-hmm. And then typically that is going to be in a range of three to five days and then they increase either half a mile to a mile over a four-week span. And that's where you would also go and throw in the treadmill as well because that's a little bit more favorable. Sure. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I forgot the treadmill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they have a treadmill, then yeah, I would probably say get on that treadmill first because you think about the the shock absorption. Yeah. Which you know we can always talk about shoes. I'm not an expert on it. I leave that to the shoe experts. Mm-hmm. But we talk about surface training. Well, the next best thing is, or the, the next thing is shoes. Yeah. Right. If you're running 20 miles a week, you're putting on some heavy mileage on yeah. your shoes. I forget the recommended mileage of when you should change your shoes, but six months is a good rule of thumb. If you've had your shoes for six months, you're putting in 20 plus miles a week. You need to start looking at a different pair. I, you know, something I learned a lot when I was getting um, certified at running rehab, and I never thought about this, but if you think about it, if you're a runner, right, anybody listen to this, if you're a runner, and typically you'll have your shoes in the garage. Your running shoes are in the garage. Mm-hmm. So when you're about to go for a run, open the garage door, slip on your shoes, run out the door, right? Sure. Obviously not just the garage, but anywhere. That's typically what you do. What we don't take into, a, into like, we don't think about into consideration, what I was going to say was what I was going to say, is that these shoes still break down when they're in moist, damp, or oh, humid yeah. areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for you to rely completely on mileage mm-hmm. is not a good thing. That's fair. So, um, obviously, if you're putting high mileage on your shoes, but then you're putting them somewhere and storing them, even if you store them in your closet where it's a good, good temp, good nice cut, and yeah. cool, 
you you know that your shoes are wearing and sometimes people leave their shoes in their damn car mm, that's often right so mm-hmm. um we have to t- take those things into account when we're returning to run and i typically recommend my runners to change their shoes out two to three months okay yeah, yeah. um just because that's, that's a good idea just either. because of that you yeah. know just being more proactive rather than being like okay now i'm hurting now let's now let me change, now let me change my shoes so I kind of take that and I say, okay, now these are your, your lawn mowing shoes and these are your running shoes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with having multiple pairs and, and it, it, it supports so much. Mm-hmm. In a, a gait analysis that we talked about mm-hmm. last episode, you know, I go from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You look to see how your foot, you know, how your foot naturally rests. Based on that will be what type of shoe you can go with. Now, again, I'm, I'm not an expert on it, so I'm not going to pretend like, yeah, you need to go with a five millimeter drop or mm-hmm. etc. Eight millimeter drop, zero millimeter drop. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know that, but I do know that as long as you're changing your shoes pretty frequently, and I, yeah. I like and even more frequent, I personally try and do that. In, in my in my opinion, I just like to buy shoes. So so the other thing that I know is that runners, anybody, right? Like if you're a basketball player, if That's you're a weightlifter, you're like mm-hmm. you like your same shoes. Mm. every damn time you're gonna go buy can i get that same pair of shoes that i bought three years ago but this year's model right right so um there's been new you know newer evidence on running and where that goes is the more variability you have in shoes Mm. is the less risk of injury you have interesting The, the reason being is if every step is completely the same for example, mm-hmm. we take the running surface example, right? Mm, okay. So if you go run on concrete and gravel every day, well, more than likely that step every time is going to be the same. Okay. R- right? There's there's no real big difference. But then if you go run on trails, you go run out on the grass, mm-hmm. the likelihood of you getting injured is a lot lower because your foot has to adapt to every step differently. Okay. Right? So yeah. if you are going for trail running once in a while and then going on concrete running, that's even better for you because you're you never fully just like put the the same force through your body every single step. Okay, so like that continuous impact changes. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. I was fixing to think I was fixing to say like your shoes never fully and not I shouldn't say never because it's absolute. Your shoes are not um, for me, I don't think they're as comfortable until mm-hmm. I've broken them in. Yeah. And so that's where I was kind of on the fence, but I think that makes complete sense because if you're not making that continuous impact over and uh-huh. over and over again. Right, that's how you end up with stress fractures. Exactly. Right? And so I think that's a good everything. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so changing your surface, I think, is very is A, super important. Mm-hmm. And B, that makes a really good point. And that may be why that you know a more soft, forgiving surface is more favorable than, let's say, cement. However, when you bring up that point, I mean, that I can't argue that. I want to, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes sense. <laughs> For real. So, so that's that's something that, you know, when, when you're thinking about running, you want to consider um, if you're running on, you know, I had a marathon runner that was getting from like, she had a stress fracture. I was seeing her for after a stress fracture, a year after her stress fracture. And she was a nurse and she was walking all the time and just walking mm-hmm. like would bring on her symptoms. Yeah. Long story short, it was more nerve involved. Sure. But anytime that she would go for a run on concrete, it would flare up. Okay. Right. So all I, I was like, light bulb, boom. And I switched her to trail running, and her pain was not there. And then so then we started changing up to, okay, we're up to 30 minutes of running a day. So what about if we run four days out of the week instead of all five on trail? Then we start dosing 
you know, because she wants to go run marathons. Mm. And most of them are on concrete. Oh, yeah. So then oh, you start Lord. dosing that little by little. And she goes back to running 20 miles a week. It took her like three months to get there because you dose it slowly. Right, right. Right. And and she was back to running on gravel and concrete with no pain. That's awesome. But it's, but it's a long process. And that's what people have to understand. I think the rule of thumb that I go by and that I've read and research supports is 10%. 10% increase every time? 10% increase in distance or time. And so how do you calculate that? Like when I hear that, I'm like, okay, so if I run a mile, I'm going to do 10% more. What mm -hmm. is that? That's why it's a slow to? progress. Well, what, what does process. that mean? Like one mile, 1 1.25? So, so yeah. One, no, that's one mile is 1.10 if you go by 10%. Oh, oh yeah. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Math. Okay. Well, that makes sense. No. So, um, so the, the way that I've implemented and I learned to return to running is a 30 minute run, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to start with a minute walk. Yeah, interval training. Um, a minute walk, then five minute. No, a minute run, then a five minute walk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you do that over and over for 30 minutes. Then let's say that person the next day has their pain or discomfort, well, mm -hmm. then probably mm -hmm. has a little bit too much. But that's the baseline for the most part, or they just go for walks until they can get better. And then when that one, one minute, one minute, on walking running and then four five running then you go two and f two and four then three and three then two and four mm -hmm. and then five and one right until you're running all 30 minutes continuously right so but the the they say it's recommended like you increase that minute every week mm -hmm. or right if that person doesn't feel good you use hang out for another week right. in that same like one minute five minutes two minutes four minutes whatever you're at um but then when you get to that point and naturally when you're running that much and you keep proper cadence which we should talk about mm -hmm. um naturally you're only going to increase your run or your walk distance by 10 percent every week oh well that makes sense mm -hmm. well if you're following that simple ratio mm -hmm. yeah i feel like that's way more easier to calculate for, <laughs> yeah. for us dumb mathers and i'll just put myself <laughs> in that category uh but yeah i think that's fantastic in terms of it's almost doing the inverse you start off low to high and then mm -hmm. you move from high to low until or high high to high i guess yeah. all the way to 30 minutes and mm -hmm. there's a, a variation of protocols and how you implement it but the biggest thing is the dosage yeah. and, and how we make sure that you know if we're having those symptoms you dial it back and exactly. i think that's where people miss the boat mm -hmm. that well i've already been here for two weeks and i still haven't felt better how do i get past this well it's a waiting game you, you have to allow your body to adjust mm -hmm. your body's telling you that you can't go that far mm -hmm. yet yeah, that's I mean, a there's, there's a tissue adaptation, uh, yep. you know, time. And, and that's what people need to realize is you're not going to be where you were six months ago in a week, right. in two weeks. And that's that can be frustrating, right, for mm -hmm. athletes that want to get back to it. I get it. Mm -hmm. I want to get better quicker. But the realization is it took you that long to get where you're at. It's going to be a process to get back. Yeah. You think about, like, the whole weight loss analogy. If you try to lose all your weight in one month more than likely you're going to gain it all back, right? Mm -hmm. If you try to get back to where you were six months ago in a week or two, you're probably going to get back to being injured. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you think yeah. that when you say it like that, yeah. it's so blatantly easily to, easy to understand. Yeah, you're going to get injured. You're trying to do too much too soon mm -hmm. with too little recovery. And I, I hear this a lot from one of, from a coworker of mine, and it, it's catchy and mm -hmm. it makes 100% sense. Too much, too soon, with too little recovery. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
And so you, you started with that, and we're bringing it back around to the, the main point of which returning to running mm-hmm. and our, our most common mistakes that are made is that right there, mm-hmm. right? And then we talk, we dove into a little bit more of the dosage and, and things along those lines and, you know, how to properly do it Yeah, and understanding that it's a process. <clears throat> so when – so going back to running, not that we ever left it, but <laughs> – you mentioned cadence. Yeah, cadence. Let's, let's talk about cadence a little bit. What um, What is the gold standard of cadence? Well, you asked me that because you know it. So yeah. what is it? It's 180 steps a minute. Okay. Okay. So if there's 180 steps a minute. The is la- that for everyone? How can it be for everyone? Can you okay, let I'm me sorry. finish? That's a question. She, she wants me to answer the question, but then she interrupts. Just yeah, like, I get it. That's what I do all the time. Get used to it. I'm Anyways. sorry. Tell me what it is. So they've done various studies about studies and studies and studies. <laughs> And no, so um, the average, so there was people that their cadence was about 160, and there's people that their cadence was about 190 to 200. But they found that the average among all of them was 180, <clears throat> right? Gotcha. So 100, 180 steps a minute. So, um, and then you say, how does that for everybody, even though there's people that are taller and probably have longer strides, right? Or shorter. What's cadence? Cadence is how many steps they take a minute. Okay. Yeah, I just thought, you know, we might want to answer what that question is. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt that time. I just wanted to touch on it. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure I said that like twice. Did you? Yeah. I didn't hear that. Okay. Well, I needed you to repeat it. So you're on 180 (laughs) steps per minute, Uh tall, short, all that stuff. Yeah. So so tall, short, anything like that. So your steps should average around 180. Okay. Now, it shouldn't be exactly 180 because everybody's a little bit different. But you want to be within a 10 plus 10 minus. I was about to say plus or minus. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, and that's because you're spending less time on the ground with mm-hmm. 180 steps a minute and the ground reaction force, which is the force that is coming back at your body once you take every step from mm-hmm. the ground up to you is not as high. So the likelihood of you getting injured if your cadence is around that number is very low. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's, you're reducing the likelihood of injury at 180 steps. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't argue that because I don't have a number to argue <laughs> or at least healthy a healthy discussion. But uh-huh. I will say that, and I'll make it brief, is... If you're thinking about it in layman's term, and you're explaining it really well, is you're not making a lot. You mentioned ground reaction mm-hmm. force. There's a period in running that your feet are not making contact at the same time. Yeah. And so if you're repeating that quicker, so to speak, you, I guess you can kind of say that because the cadence, the turnover, the turnover is fairly quick. One could honestly argue that maybe it's not going to reduce the. Well, it will reduce the likelihood of injury. But what I'm getting at is you're you're still making that continuous contact mm-hmm. yeah. is my point. Mm-hmm. And so would you say that, I mean, I guess what I'm getting to is that the dosage is still important. Yes, definitely. Um, but so, I do like what you're I mean, going. I've had people that come in with a cadence of like 145, okay. 150, mm-hmm. but then I go based off of the 10% rule. And I do tell them the gold standard is 180, mm-hmm. but we're not going to bump up to 180 right now. Okay. So then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll download a metronome app and mm-hmm. I'll kind of tap with every step and then I get their cadence that way as okay. they're running. For a full minute. For a full minute, yeah. Okay. And then see what their cadence is. And then I'll get that same metronome mm-hmm. app, and then I'll set it to, let's say they're sitting at 150. I'll set it at like 158 or so, mm-hmm. closer to 160. And then I try to match their steps with that. Okay. With the metronome. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to increase their cadence, but you're not trying to drastically change their cadence, right? Because if we drastically change their cadence, they're going to they're gonna, they're well, gonna, they're gonna get injured. 
Well, right? yeah, I was going to say they're going to speed up, and yes, it and, will. And it can increase. It, it can increase because you're changing something drastically and dramatically right away. Even though the cadence doesn't seem like it's much. If so you do how that would you? Increase, what would you increase it? Like, what's the record? What would you go like five? I go step? by ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah, that's 10%. everything I do is just by ten around ten percent. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Even, so if you don't have a metronome, what's another way of addressing cadence? Everybody has a smartphone now. Well, you, you can, can just count. Well, you can just count. <laughs> I mean, you're But that's going to be hard. Your... Like, you're, like, counting as you're running? Well, I, that's how I did it. Because I didn't even think to use a metronome. Because yeah. you're still counting, technically. You're pushing it every time. Yeah, but you're not doing it for, you're doing it for an athlete. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, you could do it. Well, now smartwatches, too. If people have smartwatches, it takes their cadence naturally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then your phone will do it if you carry it in your pocket. Okay. Well, for me, when I'm running long distances, when I, I mean, don't yeah. want to run, I count. Yeah, you but, count your steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm just bringing up another another, another way. way to do it. Yeah. However, you're right. You can just use the phone. <laughs> I don't count for me. And when I don't want to run more than a mile, I'm counting because Lord knows I don't want. To, I'm not. I don't want to run. But it's mm-hmm. good for you, so I do. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so 10% seems to be a golden rule or good rule of thumb. So mm-hmm. for all you listening, stick with 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. I feel like that's easy. Yeah. Uh, for me, I have. The progression that it'll be up, I go up every three days, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how they feel. Mm-hmm. I have a, I use a twenty-four hour rule. If they're feeling the pain, like you mentioned, then they'll dial it back. Oh yeah. And I go, it typically go a three to five day time frame where they maintain the same dosage, mm-hmm. and then they go up roughly half a mile to a mile, depending on how they feel yep. and the level of athlete. However, I think ten percent is a good way to continue to progress because it's fixed. Yeah. And it's easy to follow, in my yeah. opinion. So I like that. It's, it's a little bit more objective, but then sure. at the same, yeah. Because then sometimes you find an athlete like oh, I feel good, and then it's like, your run looks like crap. Sure. Right. So you know, here's the thing too. I had the privilege of working over in Houston um, at a at a, a performance institute, and when you do a gait analysis, you don't really change a person's gait. Mm-mm. It's not favorable to do that. Yeah, uh, you look for impairments in a ga- in their in their gait analysis, mm-hmm. and then based on that, you address them. Yeah, some people like to harp on, you know, hey, let, look at how I run, and how can we fix it? Yeah, you don't fix it by trying to. Oh, I need you to roll on the outside of your foot yeah. a little bit more. That's not no, going to no, no. work. Like, I mean, you can you can see muscular, I guess, like muscular weaknesses. Or imbalances. or imbalances mm-hmm. as you see someone run so sure. you just address those and over time they're going to naturally fix themselves exactly right? exactly so, it's just one of those things that i like to touch on because you know for example the other day i had someone come in and say hey can you just watch me run and i was all i mean i can yeah um, but are you in pain yeah like if <laughs> you're, if it's not nothing's wrong i'm not going to try and fix it yeah uh but again like to to go through the process and, and how we look at things you know we talked about it in the last episode go check it out it's definitely something that we're willing to do mm-hmm. and you know it's 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 something that is a good tool to mm-hmm. to to address impairments like we mentioned but again it's not something that i personally won't say hey i need you to turn your foot slightly outward yeah. or whatever you, you said it really well address the impairments it'll eventually correct itself yeah. so mm-hmm. so i think we can talk about shoes a little bit before we yeah of course i'm not gonna lie like i just refer out a lot of the times yeah i, I mostly because i have two triathletes that have people and I just get their recommendations and, you know, refer out and they take care of them. Mm-hmm. And if I, I've gotten good feedback, so I kind of stick with that because they're always updating shoes, you yeah. know? I mean, and it's always like, oh, the Hoka's that right. you're running on clouds and it's the minimalist shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
oh, it's good to bear one barefoot. <laughs> you know, I think I, I personally, I, I just haven't delved into it enough. But, you know, I want to know what you know about the shoes and what route you go down when people ask. So I don't change shoe wear if there is impairments that we find right off the bat. Mm, so yeah, if, the person, if the person comes in and they love Brooks or they love... Sauconies, or they love their damn hokas. I call them Sassanies. Sorry, I don't know why I just had to say that. I mean, I'm gonna address all their impairments before mm-hmm. I change their shoes. Now, let's smart. say they're two months into therapy, they're still having some pain. It's not getting uh, like a hundred percent better. It's better, but not where they want. Yeah, be but not where they want to be. Then we start talking shoe wear, mm, right? Okay. So if someone comes in and their shoes are that, well, then I'm like, well, let's not let's not talk about that, <laughs> right? I think um, specialists out there. Uh-huh. Uh, they'll go right away and try and change some more shoe wear or sure. some orthotics. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I don't believe in the use of orthotics necessarily. I don't see the 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 reason the reason why I don't believe in orthotics is if someone has not seen you move, seen you squat, seen you run, seen you walk, and the first thing they stick you in is an orthotics because you have flat feet or very arched feet, and they're not addressing the other impairments, then you should probably not get orthotics just yet. I can I agree with that first and foremost because you're not gonna stand in your orthotics in a static position all day. Exactly. So that makes one hundred percent sense. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's not applicable to all scenarios. It no, is my yeah. only thing. Yeah. But I do agree with you, you know, we are work dealing with the weekend warrior, the avid runner, you know, bless you guys for running all the time, but I agree. I, I think that that makes perfect sense. However, there are some cases, yeah. you know, gen- or, um, yeah, genetically. Yeah, genetically, like that if you they're have gonna some, need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have like a kid that walks in and something's going on, they're having trouble walking, and and obviously they're like orthotics are good. Yeah, I get gotcha. it. So, anyways, but, tell me more. But if we're talking more about athletes, the people that run, the people that walk more, or whatever, I mean, I I don't think if if you haven't been looked at how you move and how you do different things, you haven't been if you're a runner and you haven't been looked at the way you run. Um, and then the first thing you're going to be stuck into is orthotics or they're going to yeah. change your shoe wear. That's probably not the right way to go. I agree. Uh, especially if you're comfortable in those shoes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where I come from. I Typically, I get patients and the first thing they were put on is orthotics because they have foot pain. Mm. I take them off of them right away. Interesting. I do. How do they feel? Oh, they... they Don't they, they invest a lot of money? Oh, yeah. They like... I, I, I just bought it for $400. Yeah. Well, you just spent $400 for nothing. <laughs> Um, I would punch your arm. I'd be like, bro, I'm going to wear them anyway. I'm going to get $400 worth. I, I mean, knowing what I know, no, I would not get inserts. I personally am flat-footed. Yeah. And, Me too. I'm flat-footed too. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, I mean, regardless, I'm not putting in 20 miles a week. However, it goes back to addressing impairments. And so, you know, I... It, as bad as it sounds, if you've invested $400 and you haven't done anything to address your mechanics... You might need to read, not you, for all you guys listening, you know, you might want to reconsider, come check in with us and see what we can do to help address your movement. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about movement. It's all about cadence. It's all about Mm. how much you're running. It's all about dosage. 10%. If you're not changing any of this and the first thing you go to is buy new shoes or get orthotics, then this is probably not your thing. Right, right, right. right, right. You're not serious about Uh, returning mm -hmm. to running. So, So let's talk about some of the other things too. Where we've had people that come in and they're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a barefoot runner. I run minimalist shoes. I'm wearing mm. minimalist shoes right now, actually. You are. Um, and then there's people that are like, oh, I have to have all the cushion, right? Mm, so yeah. um, so there's people also that have all the cushion and then they want like, oh, I'm going to go barefoot running right now. Like, I'm going to bet like zero drop shoes. Let's go, right? So you can't. It doesn't sound fun to do that. Yeah, like 
again, doing too much too soon. As much as it seems like going from a high heel shoe mm-hmm. to like a lower heel shoe, that transition should take you eight months to a year. Interesting. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be overnight. Right. Like it, okay. Right. And it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm, I just feel like trying these shoes out today, and then you've been running twenty miles in a shoe. Yeah. A, a week and you're going to switch up your shoe completely if you are you can switch up your shoe but you can't go run 20 miles in a week mm. you probably have to start with two okay you okay, know okay. so eight months seems like a long time it does but that lets your body uh acclimate more so okay. I'll, I'll give you my example um a little bit um i always wore brooks mm. and a6 and so i started transitioning to ultras okay Ultras are the shoes I'm wearing now. They have like a bigger toe box. They look like clown shoes. So my toes can splay out more within oh, my yeah. shoe. Oh, yeah. Well, when you think about the mechanics, your toes. Exactly. Yeah. So my toes. Oh, your uh, shoes. Yeah. yeah, they're like opening up within my shoe. Like it feels like I have a lot of space in there. Mm-hmm. But so Asics and Brooks are naturally pretty high. I think they have naturally mm-hmm. eight millimeter drop. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But they are higher. I know so that. They're pretty high. Um, and so I used to run in them all the time, but then your toe box gets very narrow. So your, your toes start looking like they're on top of each other. Yeah. Right. And so I started thinking about ultras. So then I transitioned to ultras, but I transitioned to ultras with a bigger toe box with the same millimeter drop. So they were like, their heels were just as high. Mm. So I wore those shoes for about three to four months. Mm. And then I believe it was an eight millimeter drop. And then I bought the next shoe down, which was about a five millimeter drop. Okay. And then I transitioned three months later to ultras and zero millimeter. <laughs> so you did the I proper did the progression. Proper, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really haven't had any issues besides the sprained ankle because I wasn't recovered because of the whoop. It wasn't because of the shoes. <laughs> um, but that's that's basically you know I tell you because I tell you from experience, and I, I preach it to my patients not to change shoes overnight. I agree. Um, I think that you know for those of us that think that overnight, just in general, yeah, anything overnight, yeah. yeah. Not gonna happen. No, so you know the the shoes that you, the progression. I do think eight months for me. I might be a little more aggressive. Yeah. Um. But I think it depends, and that's kind of where I and I know you do the same, like where we tailor it to the yeah, athlete. Yeah, you but, tailor it, but I mean, I'm I'm saying it like very conservatively. Right? Like yeah, months. and that makes sense. And so I I don't disagree. I do think that you know the the biggest thing for me and what I'm hearing is that dosage is key. Yeah. And I love that you preach it, and I personally. Just from the shoes that I've been exposed to, it's one of those things that I naturally just did not go buy new shoes because we know, not necessarily that we know better, but because we know that we need to address impairments before yes. you try changing the surface. Exactly. And, and specific to the shoe. And going back to the surface training, which I thought is, is, is awesome that we touched on, it's, it's important, it's imperative to adjust the surfaces uh, for that reason that you brought up, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense to want to change up the surfaces so that way you're not getting that continual impact over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And as a runner, that's all it really is. Yeah. So that's a huge point. I love the 10% increase. You know, that makes it more objective, more easier easier to follow. And in my case, it's a little bit more of a, of a vague approach mm-hmm. to allow for the runner to kind of play with, with yeah, with the mile increase, as long as we're staying within a barrier, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of how we differ in how we approach the running progression. The shoes, again, we, we speak to the dosage, and then bringing all of that together with addressing those functional Im- or those muscular imbalances, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Really you know, mm-hmm. doing that first. And then looking at the rest and, and, and allowing it to fall in line, you know, the the assessment, the dosage, 
uh, the address, the addressing the impairments. And then, you know, you mentioned maybe two months of mm -hmm. actually addressing this. If yeah. they're not getting better, then we'll look at the shoes. You know, I think that makes sense. You're technically saving them money. Technically. Unless they've already spent money on the inserts. On then. the inserts and about all these different shoes. Yeah. I've literally had patients walk in with bags of shoes. I wore this for that. And this wow. And it's like thousands of dollars. It's like, oh my God. Like, you can sell them on different <laughs> websites or apps. Anyways, I think this covers our run talk. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought yeah, it was very informative. Good. Very informative. If you have any questions, reach out to us. You'll see our links in the bio, our Instagram, yes. Facebook. Go check us out. Reach out. We're in San Antonio. Yeah. Come out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Remember, this is Positive Reaction Podcast. This is Dr. D. And Dr. Serrano. Where, where you, you come, come first. first.